Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Today we're going to take a look at the issue of the psychology of politics. This is my fourth edition, or the fourth program on this topic. And it's an important one because the psychology in back of the political world is a, um, it's a dark world in some ways. But psychology attempts to bring light into the political system and what is being perpetrated and what's happening as a result of the political system you know, today. Today I'd like to look at the question of the increase in mental health problems. Why do we have such an increase in mental health problems in recent years? You know, I've been practicing psychology, clinical psychology, counseling, consulting for now 50 years. The problems are not getting less, they're getting greater, more intense, more difficult to treat, more complex, and um, more resistant to change. The other day I was talking to a colleague, and uh, she was also concerned with the increase in mental health problems and also was wondering, what's in back of this? Well, to me, one of the issues, not totally, but one, a major one, the issues that's contributing to the increase in mental health problems is our political system. What's going on in our political world, you know, today? Let's just back up and kind of take a look at this issue and see what I mean by that. Today, about one in five U.S. adults live with some form of mental health problem, mental illness. That means about 46 million Americans over the age of 18 struggle with some form of a diagnosable mental illness, ranging obviously from very mild to very severe. Now, that's not being easily or evenly uh, distributed. Females suffer more from mental illness than males. About 22% females, 15% men. Caucasians suffer more than others. Younger adults suffer more than others. You see, it's not evenly distributed. But the issue of mental health problems and mental illness is major throughout our nation, throughout all populations of people. And unfortunately, less than half of these people, less than half, receive any form of treatment. So if we have about 46 million suffering from mental illness in some form, in some level, only 25, 25 million people actually get some kind of benefit. So half of that population goes untreated and goes on in a chronic state of mental illness. So we are in deep trouble. Now, when when we look at mental illness, we look at different components to it, obviously. What about suicide? Well, we have seen a marked increase in the amount of suicide that's taking place in America today. Suicide rates have increased by 28% from the year 2000 to 2016. Those 15, 16, 17 years in there, 28% increase. That's nearly 47,000 people in just one year alone. So we're seeing an increased rate of suicide deaths. Tremendous. Much more than we see even if we add up the deaths in World War I. And um, looking even at things such as the Spanish flu, where many, many, many people died as a result of that. Well, suicide is just out of control. We're seeing that with younger people, not just with the older So it's a major problem, and we're seeing it in a complex way. Suicide with people who have substance abuse and alcoholism and mental illness all wrapped up into one. So we have this kind of complex 
diagnosis to work with as therapists. You know, are we dealing with substance abuse? Are we dealing with mental illness? Are we in sometimes treating both of them at the same time? So it requires more intense treatment, longer treatment, more involved treatment. And unfortunately, our political system has not addressed this issue. Our political system has not allowed the treatment to proceed, to be effective, to be available. Our political system is holding back our treatment options and our treatment availability. So the political system is very, very much at fault for this kind of increase in mental illness, this increase in suicide rate, and let alone the increase in drug use. We've seen an enormous amount of drug use on the increase in recent years, particularly over the last five years. So we have millions and millions and millions of people suffering from drug abuse of one form or another. So what are we going to do about this? What's the issue? What's the answer? How do we address this? How do we kind of understand it? How do we conceptualize this? Well, to me, the political system is very much the cause, as it can be very much the solution. Not that the government is going to solve it, but the government can facilitate treatment being available at all levels within the community. For instance, the mental health community is paid at the lowest rate among insurance providers. So we don't have a lot of high-qualified psychologists and other forms of therapists because of the low rate of pay. In addition to that, we have the uh, availability of uh, therapists who uh, are, are trained in marriage counseling, but yet are treating people in the area of substance abuse. In other words, their training is not match where they provide treatment, so their treatment is less effective. The other thing is that we're seeing in our political system kind of a um, parity law that is not working. Parity law should say that or, or means that you get paid at the rate, at a higher rate, if you are treating a major mental illness such as schizophrenia or major depression. And you get, pra- you get paid at a lower rate if you are treating somebody with just anxiety or with social anxiety or with panic attacks and those, those kinds of things. So we have this different pay rate that the political system has incorporated and um, it does not attract high qualified providers to the field and does not uh, open up the doors of clinics and offices and so on for people to have services readily available in the community in which they live. Many, many areas of America do not have a qualified mental health provider immediately available to them. Miles and miles and miles of driving has take place. We have not apportioned the payments and the uh, laws in such a way that attracts therapists to go into different geographical areas of our country and treating people with severe mental illness. One of the other problems, of course, is the political system has opened the door to drug use. Many states allow drug use now to be readily available for recreational purposes, which means for anything. There's, there's nothing that is not recreational. So when we say that drug use can only be used for recreational purposes, that means it's an open door for anybody and anything. And we open the door for drug use of treatment, municipal treatment, we call that, 
and um, we find that people are using it for a variety of concerns, pain control and Parkinson's and a number of different disorders. And before we know it, this has grown and it will continue to grow and be used for not just disorders, but used for any purpose that a person so chooses, whether there is any research to back it up as to effectiveness or not. Our political system has brought to us legalized drug use, legalized drug addiction. And we're seeing drug addiction increase enormously in the states that allow drug usage to be legal. Colorado, as an example, the drug use among the teenage population has skyrocketed. So we, as a political system, encourage drug use, and then we have the problems as a result of that drug use. Not just accidents on the street, you know, not just fights on the street, but we're seeing an increased level of schizophrenia now at a high, high rate by those who use marijuana. I treat them. I see them in my office. Kids who are schizophrenic because of the drug use. Had it not been for the drug use, they would probably not have been schizophrenic. It changes the brain structure. The political system has created that, has allowed that, has encouraged that, has opened the door for that. So our political system is very, very much the basis for the increased use of drugs and therefore the increased use of problems as a result of drug use. The political system also, it seems to me, is responsible for the violence and the uh, misbehavior on the part of our younger population particularly. When you turn on the television, you see a population of politicians who are cussing and using language that was never used before in public and certainly on television. The television system, the media system, is, 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 is overwhelmingly speaking in language that is hostile, speaking in language that is derogatory, speaking in language that is mean-spirited, put-downs, negative, cussing, and the innuendos are encouraging violence, encouraging misbehavior of all kinds. What do we have a politician just recently refer to the president as a person who should be up against the wall? That means the firing squad is to be utilized. You see, when you have this kind of political talk, you encourage that at the street level. You encourage that at the school level. You encourage that at the playground level. You encourage that within the, within the homes. So the political system is in a tense situation right now. The aggressive political division that we're seeing in the country, divided totally, creates that sense of unrest, that, that sense of anxiety, that sense of fear, that sense of, of ill at ease that sense of helplessness, that sense of hopelessness. And that all contributes to mental illness such as depression and anxiety. We have the political system that is anti-police. We have people marching against the police. We have political leaders at the community level telling the police force to stand down and to not become involved and to not act when there is violence or there is an uprising within the community. In other words, we're not utilizing the police force as we could and should because of the political system that is operating and operating over and taking charge of the police department. So when we have our police stand down, we know 
that we are in a situation where the police will just give up, will just not show up, or will just drive by, or will just stand by and watch to make sure it doesn't get totally out of control. That allows for that violence to be generated within the homes and within the school and within the playground and in our various places within the community. When you have that kind of violence, mental illness goes along with it. Because violence then becomes a basis for people to be hurt, people to be aggressive, people to be retaliatory. Begin to feel what we call helplessness and hopelessness. And when you reach that stage, we're in a great deal of difficulty. So people imitate others. People imitate the political system. When the political system washes its hands of authority and doing what is right, then people wash their hands themselves and don't get involved and don't interact and don't take charge of difficult situations themselves. They just let it happen. They just let it boil and let it overrun. So the political system to me is not totally, but largely responsible for the increase in mental illness, largely responsible for the increase of violence, largely responsible for the increase of drug use, largely responsible for the increase of suicide rates as a result of these things. And we need a political system that is revamped and bring statesmen back into our system um, where they debate and argue by words rather than by swords, with words rather than barbs. People that can negotiate and work out things together rather than in a battle and a fight one against the other. So that's our political system. Unfortunately, I think we are at a point where we're going to have to have some major changes in our political system if we're going to have changes in our mental health system and if we're going to have a reduction in the mental health problems facing us uh, today in America. So take a look at it. See how that is in your particular community you know, as well. Nice to have you with me and thanks for joining us today on the psychology of politics. Bye for now.